looking at our world from a theological perspective. This is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Wednesday, March the 23rd, 2022. It is currently 3.39 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. And I hope you're ready for a dramatic conclusion. After almost three hours of live broadcasting, we're going to bring this subject to a dramatic, spellbinding, exciting conclusion. Okay, I don't know how dramatic it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be that spellbinding, but I do hope this, all right, and and all of that's just joking and, and just having a little bit of fun, but in all seriousness, I do hope this comes to a very beneficial and helpful conclusion that will serve as a reminder and kind of a, a, a gentle rebuke and a warning to all of us, including the person sitting here behind this microphone, that we need to be careful about some uh, a very popular thing to do on social media and on the internet, all right? So let me go back and remind you. I know this, I know you see Andy Stanley controversy and you want me to get to that. I know that, but I, but I believe that this is, this is not about Andy Stanley. This is about a bigger issue that I really hope you learn a lesson from these three plus hours of live broadcasting about this subject. So let me remind you, there is a very, I I don't know why it happens. Look, I know why the world does this kind of thing. I don't know why Christians do this kind of thing, but there's a a, something very popular. It happens on Twitter, happens all over the uh, social media, happens on the internet, where Christians will take a one-minute, two-minute, three-minute clip of a sermon, post it on the internet, and then within seconds, immediately, oh, this guy is crazy. This guy is, I can't stand this guy. This guy needs to get out of the pulpit. This guy needs to learn how to read the Bible. This guy should have gone to Bible college. Boom, 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 boom. And everybody's just condescending, judging, 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 condemning, 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 condemning. Like, you know, everyone, everyone condemning. They, they know more. They've got it all figured out. They're better. They're, they're, you know, they, they set themselves up as the moral standard for everyone who preaches. So, but this, but the problem with it is, again, I, I have no problem offering criticism of a sermon. I mean, I, that's perfectly, I think, biblical and okay. My issue is you're not judging, condemning, and critiquing a sermon. You're judging and critiquing one, two, three minutes out of what may be a 45-minute sermon, an hour-long sermon, what may even be a, a series that lasted for six months. You have no context. You just like, here's the video clip, boom, it's two or three minutes. Now let's just jump in and rip this person into shreds and tear them apart. And what you may be doing is actually misrepresenting what they said. What you may actually be doing is bearing false witness. And what you may actually be doing is judging someone where in a way that you should not judge. And I think there's something about, you know, judge the way you would like to be judged or the way you judge, you will be judged, right? I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe that's in the Bible somewhere, but who knows? I mean, maybe it's in a wrong kind of translation. You may have to go look for it. Obviously, I'm being a little sarcastic there, but the point is that practice needs to stop. So let me state it again. If you're going to criticize a a, a sermon, then here's what you do. You take the entire sermon, all 40 minutes, 45 minutes, 50 minutes, whatever it is, and you review the entire 
thing so that there is so that person's sermon is fairly represented so everyone gets to hear that pastor they hear their position they hear your position and then they can decide you give them all the information so that they can go look it up it's just it's the only thing that's even halfway fair to do it's just I don't know why Christians wouldn't want to be the most fair people on 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 the the planet, right? We should be fair. We should show grace, mercy, right? But I, I digress. Now, the reason I'm mentioning all of that is we have been watching over the last few days a controversy kind of arise, and it's kind of spread, and more and more people are talking about it. And it appears the controversy actually started earlier. Then when I started talking about it, but let me take you back to when I first discovered the controversy, all right? And this is a, we're going to try to conclude everything right here, so I may do a little bit of review so I can wrap this up in a nice way, and then, and hopefully you'll get something from this. But going back to, what day was this? March the 21st, 2022. Apparently, apparently the controversy had already started and I had missed it. But on March the 21st, 2022, That would be Monday. So Monday, March the 21st, 2022. The Christian Post published an article, christianpost.com. Again, Monday, March the 21st, 2022. If you just go, at one point, it was the trending story. Um, Up at the top, when you go to christianpost.com, they have things this trending, and Andy Stanley was trending. So in other words, this is generating a lot of buzz and discussion and, and debate, all right? So they posted a story. The headline reads, or if if it's not, uh, maybe we should call this an opinion piece, but whatever it is, they posted a story and it uh, it reads this way. Here's the story. Andy Stanley's tweet about the Bible is seductive and harmful. Andy Stanley's tweet about the Bible is seductive and harmful. Now, if it was just a tweet, well, then I would, I would, I would spend most of my time here focusing on the tweet and complaining about that. So let me just go ahead and throw that out there for free. Is I don't when you when you see people arguing on Twitter about doctrine or theology or a biblical passage or anything, I, look, you just have to kind of raise your hand and ask everyone why. It's not the platform for that kind of discussion. It's not the platform for biblical hermeneutics, biblical interpretation, theology, because you're limited in the number of characters. So there's just, I, that to me, it doesn't make any sense. You're going to start talking doctrine, theology, the Bible. You're going to be able to do more than whatever, 180, 240, 260, whatever characters they currently allow. It just seems to be why would you be doing that? And really all it is is nobody – and on, on Twitter and on most social media arguments, nobody listens to the other person. Everyone's just attack, 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 attack. So they're upset about a tweet. Now what we – what I focused on is, okay, what's the source of the tweet? And according to the article, the tweet comes from a sermon that Stanley preached on March the 6th at Brownsbridge Church in Cumming, Georgia. Now because the tweet – comes from the sermon, well, then immediately I knew what I needed to do. Let's ignore the tweet. Let's go to the whole sermon. So we reviewed the entire sermon. And what we discovered is when you listen to the entire sermon, it's not quite what everyone's making it out to be. I'm not saying that there aren't issues. I'm not saying that there isn't a problem. 
but it's still, people are not giving a fair representation. So let me just set up the rest of the controversy. The tweet read, the Christian faith doesn't rise and fall on the accuracy of 66 ancient documents. It rises and falls on the identity of a single individual, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, when you see that tweet, of course, your immediate reaction is like, what in the world are you talking about? If the Christian faith doesn't have, the, if the Christian faith doesn't have an accurate, an accurate book, we'll state it that way. In other words, if the 66 books of the Bible are not accurate, if they're not trustworthy, then we don't, we don't even have anything about the individual Jesus. We don't have anything of significance. We wouldn't even know what to believe about Jesus. In other words, without the 66 books of the Bible, what do you even have about Jesus other than maybe he existed as some basic information? You wouldn't know everything that, everything that Christians believe about Jesus. It requires a Bible, and obviously it requires that Bible to be accurate and to be true. So when you read the tweet, you immediately are like, what are you talking about, Andy Stanley? That's ridiculous. That's even illogical. That's foolish. Are you saying the Bible isn't accurate? Are you saying that the Bible is not true? Did you abandon the Bible? What is going on? That, that's what you immediately want to respond with. But you have to stop and go, okay, there's the tweet, but it comes from a sermon. Now, one tweet from a 35, 40-minute sermon doesn't fairly, doesn't accurately represent the sermon. So any fair-minded person would say, I'm going to go listen to the entire sermon. So we listened to the entire sermon. And here's what we discovered. Andy Stanley was trying to make an apologetic argument. The apologetic argument goes something like this. To all of the people out there who are deconstructing, questioning their faith, thinking about walking away from your faith, maybe you've got the door, you've got your hand on the door handle and you're just about to open that door and walk out and you're about to just walk away from the faith. Before anyone takes another step, would everyone just stop and just listen to me for a little while? Before you throw it all away, listen to me for just a few minutes. What if I was to tell you that we don't need every book of the Bible to be inspired and fallible and errant and accurate. What if I was able to give you one book that is accurate and that is true and gives us the story of Jesus? If I can do that, if I can give you one book that is accurate and that is true about Jesus, then you cannot walk away from your faith. You need to lean into your faith and you need to learn more. Right? So he's kind of using this as an argument. Hey, I know, I know there's plenty of things in the Bible you question, but what? Well, instead of arguing about the, all the Bible being accurate, I'm going to focus here on one thing that I know is accurate and true. And he points everyone to the gospel of Luke. Now you, by all means, you could question the way he's, he's doing this apologetic because it's almost like he's saying, well, you know, if the other books aren't true, well, it doesn't really matter. This one is. And so you could be like, man, Andy, that's not, that's not really, that's not really the best way to approach this. That's kind of problematic. I, I think what he was trying to do is like, okay, I know you've got questions. I know you've got doubts and I can't sit here and try to argue with you about all 65 books. So instead of arguing about that, I'm going to focus on this. And if you'll listen to this and if you'll trust the gospel of Luke, 
that almost, I think this is kind of implied, then we can back up and, and then maybe consider the other books. Now, others are just like, no, he just threw out all the other books. He abandoned the faith. He's an apostate. He, he, he's walked away from Christianity. Andy Stanley is, and basically condemn and judge him. Now, I, I don't like his apologetic approach. I, I he put it this way. He could have stated it in a different way. In other words, he could have said, hypothetically speaking, what if 65 of the books are not accurate or inspired? And what if one is, and that one gives us enough about Jesus? You still could, even if all we have is one book and it gives us this information about Jesus, you still couldn't just walk away from the faith. Even if we just have one book. Now you could say that in a hypothetical way and try to make your argument, but he, he didn't really articulate it in a clear way, which leads to all of the confusion. So he, it's, it's his fault that he led to this conclusion. It's just a bad opening illustration, but this appears to be what he's doing. And the reason I, I feel confident in saying that's what I think he was trying to do is because of some information that we're going to share by the time this is over. So you'll want to stick around. So we we covered the uh, sermon. We, uh, we reviewed all of it. You can go look at that. It's called An uh, Andy Stanley's Dangerous Sermon or is Andy Stanley Dangerous? Part one and part two. Go listen to all of them, right? And um, you, you'll hear the whole sermon and you'll hear me try to make these points. And I'm just making them again because we're going to try to conclude everything. So I was, I was kind of done with the story and was moving on. I, saw, I think I saw a couple of other places where it was being discussed, but I didn't think anything about it. And I decided to move on. Then I woke up this morning. First thing I did was I grabbed my iPad and I opened up the Sermon Audio 2.0 app. And I was just like, okay, what, what am I going to listen to today? And I saw a ser I saw a sermon. I'll call it a sermon because it's on Sermon Audio. Let me say this. I saw a broadcast. I saw a program. I saw a podcast entitled Andy Stanley Doubts Scripture, The Squish of Faith. Andy Stanley Doubts Scripture, the squish of faith. So I, immediately when I saw the title, I'm like, okay, they're going to go after Andy Stanley. And clearly they seem to be implying that Andy Stanley is doubting the faith. All right, what is going on? So um, the, the program comes to us from Kevin Swanson, S-W-A-N-S-O-N, -S Kevin Swanson. Again, you can find him on Sermon Audio or the Sermon, uh, Sermon Audio 2.0 app. If you find him, follow him. Listen to all of his programs because I want you to hear his perspective. Look, I want you to listen to people who disagree with me and I want you to listen to people who agree with me. And you can listen to his entire program. It's about 30-something minutes long. Um, so far, 769 people have listened to it. That's a very, 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 very good number for Sermon Audio in 2022. Um, and But it, here's what's interesting. It was published on the 17th of March, 2022. And he seems to have gotten his information from a report, I think, from World. So clearly the, the controversy was already there way before the Christian Post decided to post an article about it. So he, he talked about this on the 17th of March. So he was right there at the forefront of it, which is great. He was paying attention. He, he, he started talking about it. That's a good thing. That makes his program valuable because he's keeping up with what's going on in the world. And so you'll want to listen. Now, we started reviewing Kevin Swanson's program this morning. Now, I, 
I was foolish. I thought I was going to have time to do everything I needed to do and then realize I had too, I didn't have enough time. So we weren't able to finish it. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back and review. Uh, well, not go back. I'm going to just mention some of the things he's already said and we're going to review the rest of Kevin Swanson's program because I want to make sure that I'm fair to Kevin Swanson as well. Now, Kevin Swanson's approach has basically been, if you listen, if you listen to his entire program and we reviewed it in our last episode, it's basically this. Andy Stanley has basically denied the faith, walk away from the faith. He's, he's basically denying God. He's walk, he basically, he's an apostate. Basically, Andy Stanley is an apostate. Now, he's basing that some on what was said in the sermon in question that Andy Stanley preached. And two, he's basing it on things Andy Stanley said, has said in the past. I have not in any way, shape, or form mentioned anything Andy Stanley has said in the past in this controversy. I've addressed those controversies in the past, but I didn't bring them into the present. Because what I'm trying to do is while everyone's running around making their claims about Andy Stanley based off this sermon, I just want us to have a fair understanding of what Andy Stanley was doing in the sermon in question. All right? So just remember the sermon that Andy Stanley preached was at the uh, Browns Bridge Church in Cumming, Georgia on March the 6th. We now know, we've already reviewed the sermon, but now we know a lot more information about that particular church, which is going to be key evidence when this is all said and done. But let's go back to Kevin Swanson's program and let's see how they finish their discussion about this sermon and about Andy Stanley. And then you can hear that perspective. And then we're going to throw in the evidence at the end. And you can see, is that, was that a fair representation? Was it a right representation? You can draw your own conclusions. All right. Now that was 17 minutes to bring all of that together, but now you're caught up. Here we go. Kevin Swanson from March the 17th, talking about Andy Stanley. This is uh, about 16 minutes into their program. They only have, they don't have a lot of time left, but let's just jump in and see what they have to say. And we're back on the Generations broadcast. Kevin Swanson and Steve Vaughn with you. And chronicling the decline of Western Christianity in the evangelical world with Andy Stanley's recent comments, World Magazine commented on Pastor Stanley's message. I thought a very thoughtful article. Andy Stanley is treating the word Bible as a sentimental category or label, says the article from World Magazine. More importantly, Stanley actively questions the accuracy and reliability of Holy Scripture. He suggests abandoning the reliability of the entire Bible in favor of embracing the reliability of the first five books of the New Testament. He even predicts this will help preserve the Bible or the church in the generation to come. It's a Sadducean impulse. Just interesting. Sadducees were cutting their losses as fast as they possibly could in the time of Jesus. Well, friends, we cut out the parts of the Bible we don't like or trust only to receive Christ's condemnation. That's what happens. Okay, so he's taking some of his perspectives from World Magazine. World Magazine is basically like, hey, he's he, Andy Stanley's approach is basically, look, we've got to save Christianity and everyone's doubting everything in the Bible. So I'm going to argue, hey, the first five books of the New Testament, those can be trusted. Everything else we're not going to worry about. And that basically Andy Stanley is cutting his losses and he's acting like the Sadducees. He's, he's, he's removing things from the Bible that he doesn't like. All right. And therefore that brings upon Christ's condemnation. That seems to be their, their perspective. Now, again, 
I do not know, and I keep saying this, uh, I, 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 did World Magazine actually go listen to the entire sermon? Did Kevin Swanson listen to the entire sermon? Maybe they did. I just think if you listen to the entire sermon, I don't know if that's exactly the way we should approach it. Now, maybe Andy Stanley has said in the past, look, I, I reject all of the Bible except the first five books. Or, or not the first five, first five books of the New Testament, not the first five books of the Old Testament. First five books of the New Testament. I don't know if he has ever said anything like that. I don't. They're not providing a quote where he said something like that. Some would say, well, listen to the fr first part of the sermon. I heard the first part of the sermon. But wait till you get to the end of the sermon. It's, it, he seems to change his tone. And not only that, there's some evidence that's going to call all of this, these, per, these condemnations and pronouncements of judgment and representations of Andy Stanley. They may call it into question. All right. We've got, we've got the evidence. We'll, we'll get to it here in just a minute. And that's what happened in the New Testament with the Sadducees. In the sermon's introduction, Stanley clearly targets people who are on the fence when it comes to the Christian faith. Maybe they have qualms about Genesis, the origins debate, or perhaps they question the accuracy of the Old Testament historical accounts. Maybe they're just sick and tired of other Christians. What do such people need in terms of substantial truth? While Stanley's centering on Christ is good, casting doubt upon the rest of the scriptures will prove spiritually destructive in ecclesiastical detrimental. What does a modern reader, what gives them the right and the authority to declare one part of God's inspired word historically reliable or ethically binding and another part, perhaps one that invites social ostracism as unreliable and dismissible? Does he believe the Bible contains insurmountable contradictions? Did God mess up in his mission to specially reveal himself? Can the Gospels be harmonized? If not, what is the devotional and theological life of Christians supposed to look like? Friends, these are good questions. Now, please note, that was World Magazine asking these questions. D does Andy Stanley believe this? Does he believe the Bible has all these uh, contradictions? Uh, and, and they pose some questions, too, about does Andy Stanley not believe God has the ability to, to give us God's word? Th th there's lots of questions that they keep asking of Andy Stanley. Now, I, I would, I'm just going to throw out a question. You can tell me what you think. I wonder, is there a way? Is there some way that we could possibly find out what Andy Stanley believes in regards to some of those questions? I wonder, is there, is there something we could do? I wonder. I, I, for some reason, it's not coming to me right now. I can't really think of a way that we could possibly just remove all question and, and figure this out. I, I can't come up with an answer right now. I'm going to keep thinking about it as we listen. But, but maybe I can figure, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way that we can just like, instead of just speculating what Andy Stanley may or may not think or may believe and then making accusations against him, there's probably a way we can kind of figure it out. Maybe. I could be wrong, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to sit here and think of how we can find the answers to some of these questions. And we've got about basically 15 minutes to do this. Let's see if I can come up with a way before we're done. Do we have a right to pick and choose? Do we have any right to undermine the authority of the Old Testament? Christ did not do so. In Matthew chapter 15, Matthew chapter 5, he was constantly affirming the inspiration, the infallibility of Scripture, right down to a verb tense in one discussion with the Pharisees and Sadducees. No, no. Our Lord Jesus Christ 
absolutely considered the Old Testament to be the very word of God, the inscripturated word of God that cannot fail. And all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction and in righteousness to equip the man of God for every good work. Second Timothy three sixteen and 17, referring to the Old Testament. So the apostles, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, take issue with Andy Stanley, who's right in this debate. I'm going to take the side of Christ on this one. Okay, so they're they're framing it. Andy Stanley has got one position, the Bible has another, and Andy Stanley is wrong, and Jesus is right. And so they're making this black and white. It's clear. There's no questioning here. That that's the way they are framing the situation. Now, again, is there some way to know? Is that a fair representation of Andy? Can can anybody think of a way that we could answer this? I'm still thinking. I'm going to work on it. Yeah, I think that that's the winning side there, Kevin. I mean, the the New Testament quotes the Old Testament. Jesus quoted from all different sections of that. In fact, when he was on the road to uh, um, Emmaus with the with the two, he opened up the scripture and showed them by the law and the prophets and the writings how every bit of scripture spoke of him. And so he, that. If it doesn't speak of him or if it's wrong, then he is not the way and the truth. He is uh, he might be a way and some truth. And Andy Stanley's apologetic as it moves on in this YouTube that was broadcast for consumption is that the the, the truth of the gospel of Luke has been established. OK, now a couple of things here. Uh, for someone's laughing at my sarcasm. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm still trying to figure out, is there a way to figure out what Andy Stanley believes? Because they're making lots of judgments. Now, I do, I very, I much, I very much applaud that Kevin Swanson definitely continues to acknowledge that Andy Stanley was using an apologetic. He was trying to use an apologetic. Now, we can question he used it in a poor way. We can question how he did it. I, but those are all fair criticisms. But can we know for sure? Someone did give me the scripture that I was kind of making a reference to kind of kind of in a sarcastic way, seeing if someone would find it and someone will sent it to me. All right, here we go. I judge, judge not, not I judge not, judge not that ye be not judged for with what judgment ye judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. That seems to be the biblical idea. Now, I'm not reading that saying you can never judge because in that same chapter later on, Jesus says to beware of false prophets and false teachers. You have to make a judgment. But the point is, is how you judge. Are you judging fairly, accurately? Are you, are you allowing, are we making sure we're accurately representing Andy Stanley? Because if we are not doing it fairly and accurately, then, then the point is we, we could be judged the same way. And I don't want to be judged that way. All right. I, I look, there's enough wrong that I have done. I don't need to be pe- people making assumptions and, and, and making accusations that are not accurate. Right. I'll, I'll give you plenty of the accurate ones. Okay. But the, so they, they just, I mean, at this point, I think we're going to have 15 minutes left here of them just condemning, 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 condemning. I think. I, I don't think they're, maybe they're going to go back to the sermon. Maybe I do. I, I am grateful that they are acknowledging it's a, an apologetic. And I do agree that the apologetic is sloppy and the apologetic raises many questions. I, I, I'm in all agreement with that. But the question is, what does Andy Stanley really believe? Is there a way to figure that out? 
We need to know. We'll see if we can find it before this is over. By many eyewitnesses. So that this is where he's going with it. So, you know, I mean, he's not willing to stand up and stand strong on the, the entire canon of Old and New Testaments. He's, he's not going to maintain the authority and the inspiration and the infallibility of all 66 books. He's not going to do that. But he's going to go for the Gospel of Luke based upon many eyewitnesses. Now, this is the fruit of a pure evidential view of apologetics, which, as I see, represents a weakened and wobbly faith that goes back to the 1970s and now is bearing the rotten fruit of faithlessness in the life of Andy Stanley and his followers. And I. All right. So he's he's blaming this on kind of an evidential approach. He's I mean, he's making I don't know what uh, Andy Stanley's apologetic is. I don't know. Do you know what his apologetic is? Is Kevin Swanson going to give us the apologetic? I don't know. And that this is the rotten, you know, faithfulness, uh, faithful. Uh, or how did he say it? Um, make, make sure I'll back this up because I don't want to misrepresent here. Let's go back and listen to this. Here we go. Represents a weakened and wobbly faith that goes back to the 1970s. And now is bearing the rotten fruit of faithlessness in the life of Andy Stanley and his followers. So it's bearing the rotten fruit, basically, of, of Andy Stanley not having a, a faith. It's a faithlessness. He's not having a good faith. So, and, and him and his followers, even the followers are getting thrown into this. Even his, his followers. Does Andy Stanley have followers? I know he has listeners. I mean, I mean, this, the accusations are coming. I mean, one after another, after another, after another. It's judgment, 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 judgment. I mean, they're going to town here. I, I, I have, I'm fearful it's going to be 14 minutes of just this. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're going to go back to the sermon. And maybe they're gonna maybe they're gonna clean it up. Now I do again. I I am very grateful that they acknowledge it's an apologetic, and they do acknowledge that Andy Stanley in the sermon does point to the Gospel of Luke. I, I am I am. They are acknowledging some very important facts. All right. All right. So, well, there, there may be some truth to that. All right. So someone just made a comment. I'm not going to read because I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to turn this into me doing the same thing. But yeah. So there there's there's yeah. Well, let's just continue to listen. And I, 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 I take something of an issue with evidence that demands a verdict that comes back from the 1970s that somehow, you know, God is in the dock and man is making the decision as to whether or not he will accept the authority of Almighty God. He's going to make that judgment call. And I, I'm against that. I don't, I don't think man is in the position to make the call as to whether or not God speaks the truth or not. We, we can't be in that position. We can't allow for, for, for being in the position of making the verdict. We can't be in that position. Now, it's granted, there are evidences, and we're thankful for evidences. This is helpful. But it's not, our acceptance of the Word of God is not based on pure evidences. It is not based on human eyewitnesses. Does the truth of Scripture hinge primarily on human witnesses? What if Luke was lying? What if the witnesses lied to Luke? See, I mean, the other side could just strip this thing down in 10 seconds flat Okay, so now he's he's kind of using an argument. Well, what if Luke was lying? So so now he just raised some of the same kind of questions. Well, so he just said, what if Luke was lying? 
Andy Stanley was like, what if the other books are not accurate and infallible? Did, did he not in a kind of same kind of way kind of make a same kind of argument? What, what, if, what if we just took that out of context? What if Luke was lying? Right. I mean, I mean, I understand he's trying to make a point, but I think Andy Stanley was trying to make a point. I don't think Andy Stanley tr- did it in a very good way. And he may be doing a better job and, and using that kind of language, but I'm just saying it's the same type of thing. What if Luke was lying? We well, right. Someone could take, take, maybe take Andy Stanley's apologetic apart. Possibly. Possibly. I, I think, honestly, I don't care how good your apologetic is. If someone doesn't believe, they're going to be able to find ways and argue against it. But we could get in a whole discussion about apologetics here. But let's continue. And now you have no apologetic. What do you say to that, Mr. Andy Stanley? Andy Stanley's position is extremely weak in the face of the world. He doesn't buy himself persuasiveness with his flimsy arguments and his willingness to to surrender the authority of Almighty God speaking through the scriptures. He doesn't do anything for himself. What forms the strongest basis for truth? God speaking or man speaking? Would you believe the words of a human being or the word of God? Which is more believable? Now, it's true that you have to fear God first, which is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. So before you know anything, you have to believe God exists and you have to fear God, the God you believe exists before you can have a foundation for any knowledge whatsoever. So, friends, you've got to believe that God exists first and you have to trust his word first and you have to fear him before you know anything whatsoever about anything whatsoever. Steve, let me, let me give you a multiple choice quiz just for a second. Okay. We're going to ask the question, what is true? And what is our basis for believing that something is true? What is a good basis for you believing that something is true, especially when you're dealing with the fundamental questions relating to reality or the purpose of human existence? Okay. I'm I'm not talking about what's for dinner tonight. I'm talking about what's the purpose for life. I'm talking about whether God exists. I'm talking about whether we exist. I'm talking about, you know, the basic stuff concerning reality. Okay. Now, let me give you the multiple choice quiz on this. Were you ready? I think so. Okay. Um, so what is a good basis for you believing that something is true? Something fundamental is absolutely true. A, Joe Schmo. You know, some guy's opinions, a person who's not omniscient, has proven himself to be wrong many times in the past. Okay, A, Joe Schmo. B, 51% of the population made up of Joe Schmoes who are not omniscient. <laughs> C, science which is only capable of establishing probabilities, but no real certainty, especially when it comes to fundamental metaphysical questions. D, God, who's omniscient and the very source of truth itself. Okay, A, B, C, or D? All right, well, I know Joe, and I know yeah. he lies a lot. Okay. <laughs> and so, you know, well, it's got to be D. And one of the things I teach my students in speech and debate is that in order to know anything, you either have to know yourself, you have to know everything, or you have to know somebody who does know everything. And God knows everything, and we know God. Otherwise, you can't really know anything. How many things have been scientifically proven only to be... I do find it somewhat ironic. Maybe you don't. There's, there's all about knowing, knowing. How can we know? How can we know? How can we know? Well, they've made lots of assumptions about Andy Stanley. 
right? They've made a lot of accusations and condemnations against An- Andy Stanley. So I'm going to ask you again, how can we know? Is there, is there some way we can know what Andy Stanley, at least in writing, supposedly believes in regards to the inspiration and fallibility and inerrancy of the word of God? Is, is there some way we can know? Is there a way we can know? Do I listen to Joe Schmo? Do I listen to Joe Schmo or do I go to maybe some kind of an authoritative document? Do I listen to Joe Schmo on the internet or do I go to something that may be, well, that seems to be a little bit more tangible, right? Now, I, I'm, I'm just going to continue to ask that question. Scientifically unproven later. And so you have to know everything if you're going to know something or you have to know somebody who does know everything and the only one who knows everything is God. And if you know God, that's how you can know so something. What, what's going on with Andy Stanley? Make no mistake about it, friends. Andy Stanley is going after the veracity of Genesis 1 through 3 in rendering his proper prostrations to the gods in the marketplace. I think he believes. Now, I mean, he could substantiate this, but I think he still believes that a rock turned into a dog or a human being or an ape by natural processes, which have never been defined over four billion years that he cannot believe Genesis 1 to 3, or he's talking to people who so believe that a rock turned into a dog by natural processes never been defined over 4 billion years, they so believe that they cannot believe Genesis 1 to 3. He's chasing down apostates here. He's kowtowing to the faithless. He's breaching the faith. So why do we believe God's word? And again, lots of, uh, just make sure we understand the sermon in question that Andy Stanley preached had nothing to do with Genesis. He didn't say a word about Genesis. Now, if we've got sermons by Andy Stanley, hey, research team, those listening in the Discord channel, hey, go find, go to, uh, we're going to name the church. We have already named the church once. Brownsbridge Church, right? Look, our Andy Stanley's ministry, look in the archive and see if we can find some sermons on Genesis. Then we'll know exactly. Again, is there a way to know what Andy Stanley believes? He, he's like, it could it, maybe he believes this. Like he's making all kinds of speculations. There's no need to speculate about Andy Stanley. I, I don't know how many sermons of his are online, but I bet you there's a large library of sermons. Let's just go listen to what he preached, right? Oh. Okay, let's continue. Why do we believe in the resurrection? Fundamentally because God said it happened. As recorded in prophetic scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament as well. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15.3. This is what the Apostle Paul tells us. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I have also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And then he adds secondarily that he was seen of Cephas and then of the twelve. So the epistemological certainty in this gospel uh, statement, this is one of the most fundamental gospel statements you're going to find in all the word of God. The epistemological certainty of this fundamental gospel statement is not so much the eyewitnesses as that God declared it in scripture. We see it twice according to the scriptures, according to the scriptures. We, we believe it happened because God said it happened. Can you trust God even more than you would trust eyewitnesses? Absolutely. One of the things I've been asking people over and over again is, who is this God that you claim that you worship? What are his attributes? He is holy, eternal, infinite, perfect. Now, just so that we know here, 
I know they're, they're really kind of just, they're really leaving the issue. I mean, clearly there's only eight minutes left. Clearly they're not going to review the sermon. Clearly, I, I don't even know if they're going to give any more quotes from the sermon. Clearly they, they've, are, they've made their decision about Andy Stanley. And it may be based on things they, they, they know that may be accurate. But according to the controversy about the sermon, a lot of the things they're talking about here doesn't really have anything to do with Andy Stanley's sermon, which is kind of the basis of the current controversy. Now, I, you could you could argue, well, just stop. I'm not going to stop because I want to be fair here, right? Because I could just stop here and go, well, they've talked about Andy Stanley. Now they're going on these other subjects. And these other subjects are very important. And I may agree with some of the things that they are saying in regards to apologetics and how we know how we know truth. I understand a lot of what they're saying. We may even have agreement on this. My point is, wait a minute, what does this have to do with Andy Stanley's sermon? Now, and, and in part, I see they're, they're going this direction because they're basing it off an assumption that Andy Stanley rejects certain ideas and certain beliefs based off, well, a part of the quote from this sermon. It's just kind of like, it's like, is this, is this a discussion about apologetics or is this a discussion about Andy Stanley? Well, if it's a discussion about apologetics, did you really need to make all of these accusations against Andy Stanley? Once you start making the accusations, judgments, condemnations of Andy Stanley, then you kind of place yourself in a position where you've got to spend your time proving all of the condemnations and accusations. You see, it kind of, you, you, thinking of it from a logical perspective, you kind of, you kind of then, you kind of put yourself in a corner where you're like, now I've, I've got, this is where I've got to do another program and I'll prove all of these things we said about him. Now they may not feel like they need to, maybe that's just me, but I would think now I've got to go try to prove all of this because those are lots of accusations. So eight minutes, I only want to do this to be fair. I, I, I'm only doing this because I don't want anyone to think that I'm taking his words out of context. All right. So here we go. All of that. He knows all things. We can trust this guy. Jesus waded in on the apologetic question in Luke 16, 27 as well. So, again, going to Scripture here to establish our apologetic today on the Generations broadcast, Luke 16, 27. Here's the rich man. And remember the story of rich man and Lazarus. Poor Lazarus is, you know, dogs licking his wounds. And uh, the rich man eventually goes off into hellfire. There he is in hellfire, has this conversation with Abraham. And the rich man says, I beg you, therefore, Father Abraham, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he or Lazarus may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. That is, they have Genesis. Let them hear Genesis. They don't. Now, this would be interesting. One, has Andy Stanley preached on that passage in Luke 16? And two, well, this sermon that everyone's all upset about, isn't it the part one of what's going to be a series in the Gospel of Luke. So if it is, maybe in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, we'll have Andy Stanley's preaching on this very passage in Luke. And then we'll know exactly what he does with this concept that if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, 
then they're not going to believe even if someone raises from the dead, which he says establishes our apologetic. Okay, well, then how is Andy Stanley going to Andy Stanley's either preached on it before or he's going to be preaching on it in his series on Luke. Look, so maybe we could just wait and see what Andy Stanley has to say. I mean, again, how can we know? How can we? Is there a way we can know what Andy Stanley thinks? I'm already giving you one possible option. We can listen to sermons. Now, some of his sermons may lead us to go, what in the world is he thinking? Because I've reviewed Andy Stanley's sermons and probably every single one of them. I'm like, what in the world was that? Okay. So I'm not, it's just, I feel in a weird position that in some ways it feels like I'm defending Andy Stanley, but I'm not really trying to defend Andy Stanley. I'm trying to defend every preacher. Hey, every preacher deserves to be actually heard and not misrepresented and all kinds of accusations made without, well, I don't know, without reviewing an entire sermon, not based off two minutes, three minutes, or or 30-second clip. It, it, it's got, it, it, we can't do that. We just can't do that. Don't hear Genesis. Forget Andy Stanley's sermon on Luke and the eyewitnesses. They have Genesis. Let them hear Genesis. They don't hear Genesis. Neither will they be persuaded, though one rise for the dead, although Andy Stanley gives them another reason, based upon six eyewitnesses. They have Genesis. Let them hear Genesis. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Friends, Western Christianity is lapsing in faith. They're hardening in their hearts. They're apostates. They don't believe these things because they believe a lie. And watering down your apologetic method isn't going to help you any. It's not going to buy you anything. The apologetic method challenges the fool in his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. So we move our apologetic into the house, the epistemological house of the unbeliever, and we begin to ask questions. We point out the internal inconsistencies, incoherencies within their own worldview. The argument against this way of thinking, I know, is that we reduce to circular reasoning, but everybody reduces to circular reasoning. It's just that some circles are better than others. Some circles are more internally consistent than others. So when you ask the question, what is true and what is our basis for believing that something is true, we either go with Joe Schmo or God. The question you ask an unbeliever when they're just so sure that you're wrong and they're right, you say, well, how do you know? Again, I find a little bit of irony here. So when we try to figure out what is true, we either listen to Joe Schmo. So in this case, when we ask what is true about Andy Stanley, do we listen to Joe Schmo? Or do we listen to something that's actually connected to Andy Stanley? Which one? Which one? Is there something that gives us actually what Andy Stanley may believe? Is there something versus listening to Joe Schmo? I I think, look, I'm just taking the arguments that are being presented to me and using them in this particular case of Andy Stanley, apostate, denying the faith. Now, that may be true, but in this particular controversy, is it true? We'll, we'll have to see. We'll, we've got, we, we'll, let, we'll let Kevin Swanson finish. What you believe is true. And they'll come back and say, well, I believe it's true because, well, I, I'm Joe Schmo and I believe it's true. And you say, what? Who are you? Joe Schmo? You have all knowledge of everything. You've established certainty on any one proposition in the entire universe, let alone a fundamental proposition about the purpose for life. Oh, no, no. I have no certainty about any of this. So now, are we going to 
contrast uncertainties, the believer's uncertainty against the unbeliever's certainty, or are we going to contrast the believer's certainty against the unbeliever's uncertainty? I'd much rather contrast my certainty as a believer and receiving the certainty of God upon the revelation he has brought to us versus not having any certainty, assuming God may or may not exist before I have to in an uncertain way, prove his existence. I, I, I think that's a really lousy way to develop a, a worldview that stands the test of internal testings as well as external testings. I, I'd, I'd much rather take the position that, uh, that God exists. God has spoken to us in his word, and I receive that as an absolute certainty. Now, my certainty can be contrasted with the unbeliever's uncertainty because he has no certainty. He claims no certainty. And so he has no position. I have a position from which I can argue. He has no position from which he can argue. So there's my position from which I can argue. And then there's his position from which he cannot argue because he has no certainty whatsoever about. I'm going to jump in again. Certainty. Can we be certain? Do we have any certainty? about what Andy Stanley thinks or said. Well, one, we have his entire sermon. We can listen to that. Two, we have sermon archives, which we could go through and see what he he says about certain subjects. I, I wonder, is there anything else that we have? Let's continue. What he believes. Now, I have certainty because I take my truth from God, who is himself absolute as defined to be that way. He's defined himself to be the very source of what is true. He is the ultimate, the ultimate, the infinite, the eternal in his wisdom, in his power, in his sovereignty over all things, in his justice, his righteousness, and his ability to, of course, implement that justice and that righteousness. All right, so so I start with that worldview. Contrast my worldview with all the certainty I have, all the internal consistency that I have within my own worldview with the unbeliever's worldview where there is no certainty and no coherence at all. So that's the way we do this. God cannot but speak with absolute certainty. That's the bottom line here. What are we going to do? God speaks to us. We say, well, I need your driver's license. Who issues God a driver's license, Steve? <laughs> yeah, I guess the... If God is your co-pilot, I guess you do. (laughs) I don't think it works that way. You're back to Joe Schmo issuing God a driver's license. I don't think so. I don't think so. So one of the questions people ask, it's an honest question, why not some of the other religions where God speaks? Well, there are only two other religions where God is supposed to speak. That's Islam and Mormonism. And both of them are knockoffs of the original with the assumption, of course, that God was incapable of making it clear the first time, so incompetent, he couldn't preserve his word, and so he has to stumble back up to the plate and explain it the right way this time. I'm sorry, that undermines the omniscience and the perfection and the wisdom of God. And uh, we don't accept that worldview because that undermines the very nature of the God who reveals himself to us as the absolute. So so the Islamic uh, holy book and the Mormon holy book are put off easily because they're just knockoffs, bad knockoffs uh, of the original. And the internal com- contradictions between the subsequent writings and the original writings are so egregious, you have to toss out the subsequent stuff that comes from Joseph Smith and Muhammad. God has spoken to us from the beginning. That's bottom line. God spoke to Adam in the garden. 
Adam was never expected to exist and to function without supernatural special revelation. He did not exist. He could not function without God first approaching him in covenant and revealing himself to Adam in an ethical sense from the very beginning, even before the fall. God related to man through special revelation, and that special revelation continues in an unbroken pattern, carefully recorded in one book over the last 6,000 years, and that is the Bible, the Word of God. Now, granted, there was some added to it, it developed, but there was always a unity to the, the, the revelation of God from the very beginning, and we have that in the substance of 66 books. Well, friends, that wraps up this edition. There you have it. There's the whole program. That's Kevin Swanson dealing with the Andy Stanley controversy. In that program, that entire program, lots of accusations, lots of condemnations, lots of representations are handed down to Andy Stanley based off the sermon that he preached on March the 6th, where he introduces his series to the Gospel of Luke, where Andy Stanley does try to use an apologetic that is highly questionable and doesn't do a very good job. So there is criticism that can be offered to that. But I still think Andy Stanley should be heard and all of his sermon should be reviewed because I still think that's the only fair way to do these kinds of critiques. So we already reviewed the entire sermon and I've already made my point, but we're still left with this. What does Andy Stanley believe? What can we know? Where can we find certainty? Well, let's just do a little bit of investigation and see how this would work. First, when was the sermon preached? March the 6th. Where was it preached? Brownsbridge Church in Cumming, Georgia. So first thing we can do is review the entire sermon. Check, we did that. And we came to somewhat of a different conclusion, feeling that maybe people were not fairly representing him. Two, well, we could go look up the information about the church. Brownsbridge Church, Cumming, Georgia. So I asked people this morning, to do a little bit of investigating. And this is what we discovered. Who is the lead pastor of Brown Brown's Bridge Church? Andy Stanley is the founder and senior pastor of North Point Ministries, which has eight churches in the Atlanta area, Brown's Bridge Church. So Andy Stanley is the founder and senior pastor. And, and he's uh, of eight churches, and one of them is Browns Bridge Church. You have Buckhead Church, Decatur Church, uh, East Cobb Church, Gwinnett, uh, Hamilton Mill, North Point Community, Woodstock City Church. Adam, or Adam Johnson is the lead pastor of Browns Bridge Church. So Andy Stanley is the senior pastor of North Point Ministries, but these, uh, which have eight churches. So in other words, all eight churches is a part of North Point Ministries. Andy Stanley is the senior pastor of North Point Ministries and, um, the individual in charge of, uh, Browns, uh, Browns Bridge Church is Adam Johnson. 
right, who leads the staff in its day-to-day operation and discerning the ministry needs of those who attend BBC and those who live in the community. So, but Andy Stanley is the one in charge of all of these ministries, ultimately. He's the senior pastor of all of these ministries, and all eight ministries fall under Andy Stanley's ministry. So, so in other words, Andy Stanley is connected to them. All right, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't quite read that right the first time, but hopefully that makes sense. So let me read that again, because I want to make sure there's no confusing confusion here, because this is very important. Right. Who is the lead pastor of Browns Bridge Church? Then it says Andy Stanley, which immediately you go, okay, so Andy Stanley, but let me read it all. Andy Stanley is the founder and senior pastor of North Point Ministries, which has eight churches. Eight churches make up North Point Ministries. Those churches are Browns Bridge, Buckhead, Decatur, East Cobb, Gwinnett, Hamilton Mill, North Point Community Church, and Woodstock City Church. Adam Johnson is the lead pastor of Browns Bridge. So you have these, Andy Stanley is in charge of all of these ministries, but each ministry has their own senior pastor t- taking care of their day-to-day operations. But Andy Stanley is in charge of all of this. He, he's ahead of all of this. So now what we need to do is, okay, if Andy Stanley's ahead of all of this, well, I wonder what they believe. I wonder what they believe. So let's go to, uh, we're at the website, brownsbridge.org. Let's go to what does BBC believe about the scriptures? And I quote, We believe the entire Bible is the inspired word of God and that men were moved by the spirit of God to write the very words of scripture. Therefore, we believe the Bible is without error. That is from their actual website. How can we know? Well, we could go to the website connected to the church that Andy Stanley was preaching in because Andy Stanley is the senior pastor over all of, in a sense, of the ministry that is made up of these eight separate churches are all a part of this ministry. I wouldn't think that Andy Stanley would be in charge of a ministry where that, that includes eight churches and that one of those churches would have a doctrinal statement that would go against Andy Stanley. But wait, wait, we, we could do something. We could do something one more. Let's do something. Let's go to, see, North Point. I think Andy Stanley is a North Point community. Oh, hang on. I'm going to the wrong here. Let's go to North Point Community Church. Let's see if we can find this. North Point Community Church. Okay. Uh, North Point Community Church, making sure I've got the right. Andy Stanley. All right. So let's go to North Point Community Church. All right, let's see if we can get a, let's see here. Uh, there's the, what do we have here? What do we have here? Church overview. All right, here's, here's what, uh, this is Andy Stanley, North Point, North Point Church. We believe the entire Bible is the inspired word of God and that men were moved by the spirit of God to write the very words of scripture. Therefore, we believe the Bible is without error. That's even North Point. So, Browns Bridge, North Point, all Andy Stanley, they believe. Let me read it to you again. How can we know? Do we listen to Joe Schmo? Do we listen to Joe Schmo? How can we have certainty? Well, I think we have to do a little bit of research to pursue truth. Here's what Andy Stanley claims in their doctrinal statement. Now, you may say, he doesn't really believe that. He's denied that. Well, then by all means, point out how he's contradicted his doctrinal statement. By all means, that's fair game. Find the sermon where he contradicts it, 
Go after it. Now you can say, well, the sermon that you reviewed goes after, go, contradicts that. No, I think his apologetic argument was poor, but I think what he's trying to do is like, even if that was the case, Luke is true, so believe in Luke, and then we can back up and look at the other 65. I don't like the way he did it, but I, I'm just saying I have to, look, who? don't we have to give someone the benefit of the doubt? Don't, I mean, don't we have, a, when, when he changes his doctrinal statement, then by all means, don't, can, could we, I, I doubt we'll get an email. Could we email Andy Stanley and say, hey, do you, have you just rejected the Bible and you don't believe it's from God and you believe it contains error? Do, have you thrown out the other 65 books? Maybe he would respond, maybe he would not. But according to his doctrinal statement, let me read it again. We believe the entire Bible is the inspired word of God and that men were moved by the spirit of God to write the very words of scripture. Therefore, we believe the Bible is without error. That's inerrancy. That is verbal inspiration. I mean, that is, that is everything. And that's inspiration. That is uh, inerrancy. That is infallible. All, and that's what he believes. And we've been keep hearing people make accusations that I don't know Fairly, put it this way, the accusations at least are not taking into account that. Now, I'm, I'm a nobody. Okay, I'm nobody with a, 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 an insignificant podcast. But even with me, with my massive research team who gets paid millions of dollars, okay, I'm joking. Okay, with my, no, I don't have a research team, I have listeners but even they, within minutes, were able to find that doctrinal statement. Within minutes, they were able to find it. In fact, I was still on the air this morning when they found it. Now, all I'm saying is, if you're going to offer criticisms and make accusations of Andy Stanley, shouldn't that at least be considered as, well, we have this evidence, but Andy Stanley said this, but we have, shouldn't we be able to do that? So there we have it. Could we come up with a way to figure out what Andy Stanley believes? I don't know, the doctrinal statement of his church? That's a good place to start, right? That's a good place. And so then I have to understand that sermon in light of this doctrinal statement. And what I end up with is Andy Stanley, that was kind of a, that was kind of a questionable apologetic. That was kind of weak. That was kind of, Nah, I don't know if I would have used that apologetic. And I don't even know if I really understand your apologetic method here. I, by all means, we can question that. But we can't just start making accusations and condemning. And, 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 and we just can't do that. And hopefully you didn't hear my stomach growling, but that was my stomach growling. Um, I, I hope that makes sense. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just make sure that no one else has asked me any questions in the chat. So give me one second here. Oh, wait, that's the wrong thing. Here we go. Open this, make sure. All right. Okay, good. Nobody else has said anything else. I, I hope that that I, I know it's taken an hour to do all of this, but I wanted to try to bring this to some kind of a, a, a definitive conclusion that this kind of thing just has to stop. We just can't just keep ripping people's words out of context. Man, look, let CNN do that. Let Fox News do that. Let the world do that. We shouldn't do that. Right? We, we should show fairness and and giving people the benefit of the doubt and, and by all means trying to show love and grace. Now, listen, when the evidence is overwhelming that something is apostate, that something is heretical, well, then by all means present said evidence. I go, all right, yes, uh, 
Someone just uh, someone just messaged me. I've checked all the other church websites also, and they are the same doctrinal statement. So all eight churches, a part of North Point Ministries, have the exact same doctrinal statement and all affirm the inspiration and fallibility and inerrancy of the word of God. That That's fact. How can I know? I can listen to Joe Schmo. How can I be certain? I can listen to Joe Schmo. Or I could just go look for actual documented evidence. So the next time you hear someone say something about what someone said in a sermon, please just go listen to the entire thing. Please do a couple of minutes of research and then draw your own conclusions. Now, I'm by no means, I'm I'm not here in any way, shape, or form to say, don't listen to Kevin Swanson. Listen to him. Follow him. I've told everyone, listen to him. He does a good job keeping up. He was on top of the story before anybody else, right? I mean, I mean, maybe World Magazine beat him to it, but I mean, he, I, I, he was the first one I saw doing a podcast about it, and I even missed it. So I'm glad he brought it up, right? And again, maybe Kevin Swanson, obviously a better speaker than I am, probably far more intelligent than I am. Most likely, he has probably more history of listening and keeping up with what Andy Stanley has been doing in the past, and that may greatly influence his present position on Andy Stanley. That, by all means, I understand that, and and that that has to be taken into account. All I'm saying is, based off the current the sermon that's created all the controversy from that sermon alone, listening to the whole thing, and then reading the doctrinal statement. I'm going to be careful about certain uh, accusations. Uh, I, I'm going to be careful with those accusations against Andy Stanley. That's all I'm saying. Now, now, and, I, and, and, and everyone just listen to Kevin Swanson. You can draw your own conclusions, right? Uh, I got people in the comments. They have their own, their own conclusions. You can listen for, for yourself and see. But I just think that we have to just be as fair as we can be, right? So by all means, go listen. And, 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 and draw your own conclusions uh, because I like people hearing different perspectives. I like people hearing. I like the fact that on Sermon Audio, I can hear pastors from all kinds of different, you know, theological backgrounds. I mean, obviously that falls within the confines of the statement of faith that you have to agree upon, but different from different parts of the country, different perspectives, because that's how we're challenged and that's how we grow. So I, I, I follow Kevin Swanson. Uh, it, it's on, on the Sermon 2.0 app. He shows up in my feed every day. And uh, sometimes I listen to, I mean, I listen to, I subscribe to so many things. I can't listen to everything, but I mean, you draw your own conclusion. It, I'm not, to me, it's not even about, uh, let me make it very clear. It's not even about Kevin Swanson. Like if you, if you walk away from, ooh, he criticized, criticized Kevin Swanson. I'm not trying to criticize Kevin Swanson. What I'm trying to criticize is the practice that goes way beyond him and way beyond me, it goes it goes within Christianity at large, just taking these little segments of sermons and then building an entire podcast out of, criticizing news articles, you know, social media posts. And I just think, come on, you know, people do it constantly to Stephen Furtick. Would I agree with any of Stephen Furtick's theology? Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. But guess what? I've even seen it there where there's a clip. And then I go, listen. I, I, I get, I'm like, whoa, he just basically, he just basically denied the doctrine of the Trinity. And a boom, 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 boom. I'll go gra- grab the sermon. Like, okay, I'm going to do a podcast about it. And then I'll listen to it. I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's, that's not exactly, I mean, 
what, how he did it was kind of messed up, but I don't know if that's exactly what he meant to say. In other words, versus the clip versus what I heard wasn't what everyone was claiming. And I've just, that's happened to me too many times where you're like, whoa, what was that? And you just go take five minutes to listen or more than five minutes. You go take the hour to listen, five minutes to look it up, an hour to listen. And then you will usually walk away going, okay, well, not a great sermon. I still don't like their theology or doctrine, but I don't really know if the accusations are accurate. So I'm not defending Andy Stanley. I've reviewed his sermons before and I've criticized them. I would definitely disagree with much of his philosophy about church and his handling of God's word. But guess what? I don't care who you are. You have a right to be fairly heard, fairly represented, and nobody should bear false witness against you. Now, You've heard my take. You've heard Kevin Swanson's take. You've heard the sermon. So now you can make your own decision about this controversy. And if you see it pop up somewhere else, you can say, well, I do know of a podcast that has spent now like five hours trying to unpack it. Isn't it amazing how one little controversy can turn into five hours of live broadcast trying to figure out the truth? But you have to just follow it, right? I mean, I could have just looked at it and said, well, Kevin Swanson talked about it. I'm not going to deal with it. But no, that's the whole point is we want, if it looked, because I thought possibly maybe, maybe Kevin Swanson had something that I was missing. I mean, I thought maybe he, he, he was going to provide like this amazing evidence that maybe I didn't have. So I, I wanted us to at least hear it and see what was said. And, um, well, there you have it. All right. Nobody's asking any more questions. I, I, I hope I was fair. I tried to be as fair as I could be. I was, try, I was trying to bend over. I'm trying to bend over backwards to be fair to everyone. I want to be fair to Andy Stanley. I want to be fair to Kevin Swanson. I want to be fair to everyone, as fair as I can be. And, yeah, I mean, Andy Stanley's got some major issues, but... Let's not act, let's not make up issues. Let's not make up condemnations. Let's deal with what we can factually and at least documented, at least based off documented evidence. Andy Stanley seems to believe in the inspiration uh, of the whole Bible, and that it's infallible and that's without error. I mean that 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 seems to be right there. Now maybe in practice, maybe in preaching, he denies what is what is in their statement of faith. I've seen that happen. Maybe it is. Maybe he'll, at some point he'll change it. Maybe at some point he'll deny the entire Bible. Maybe at some point Andy Stanley will renounce his, his entire faith and walk away. Well, okay, at that point we'll deal with it. But right now I can only deal with what I have in front of me. I can't make assumptions and judge someone based off what I think. I can only go with what seems to be accurate and true. And hopefully, every, because I don't want to be judged and I want to be judged the same way. And the way I judged is the the way I judge is the way I will be judged, and I, I don't, I don't like that concept. I, I, I if I want to judge people as fair as I can and try to give them the benefit of the doubt, right? And then hope. And if Andy Stanley is incorrect, hopefully then he'll, he'll, he'll move closer to the truth instead of further away from it. But we'll have to wait and see. All right, I'll stop right there. Everyone have a great day. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Tonight at 7 p.m. at Victory Baptist Church, it is Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22 is where we're going to be. And uh, because someone emailed me and asked me to cover Matthew chapter 22. I think earlier I may have said Matthew 24. We're, we're moving to Matthew 24, but uh, 
Tonight, it's going to be Matthew 22. It's going to be pretty much Bible study exercise rules in effect. So uh, if you can listen, listen live. Make sure you uh, use the chat if you're using Spreaker. And uh, we're, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to come up with any answers, but we're going to at least work through the, the section and see what we can discover. All right, we'll stop right there. Everyone have a great evening. God bless.